0: Happy 2020, hey, my name is Adam and I love being the senior pastor here at First United Methodist Church. I wanna give a special shout out to everybody who's gonna experience this message online, all our podcast peeps. And I also wanna give a special shout out to Westside. your first Sunday with two services, congratulations. I mean, this is a big milestone for your campus and for our whole church. Right, the whole point of a second campus is to make a new space for new people. And a second service means, well, we've done just that, we needed to make more room. So thank you so much to all the folks who give of their time to make that possible. You know, there's a whole group of people who give of some of their experience so that others can have an experience and, and doubling their efforts uh, for two services is just awesome. So I love Westside, I love y'all, and I'm so excited for what this represents. Uh, when I was in college, I played a lot of Halo, like a lot. And when you play Halo, there's this mini-map that comes up on your screen. And it's, it's got a little dot in the bottom left. And then as you're kind of making your way through these missions, there's, there's different objectives you had. I and mean, you get this little countdown uh, as, as, as you get closer and closer and closer. That was called a waypoint, waypoint, a waypoint. And and the definition of a waypoint is the intersection of two coordinates. It's the place you were supposed to be heading next in Halo. And and what we're using for our whole sermon series in January is this concept of a waypoint, these two coordinates. Our topic is gonna be, where is the intersection of where you are gifted and called? Frederick Biekner is a theologian and author, and this is what he said. The place God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Where is it that your gifts can be used to help people most? That's the intersection that we're after, the place where you're gifted and called. That is the place where we can fulfill our purpose. That is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Okay, well then the question becomes, how do we find those? Ravi Zacharias is a Christian uh, apologist and evangelist and author and speaker, and he says that every worldview or or every religion kind of needs to answer the four most important questions of life. And he defined those as origin, where do I come from? Morality, how do I tell what is right and wrong? Destiny, where am I going? And meaning. Why am I here? We spend a lot of life answering the question or trying to answer the question, why am I here? Uh, Another way or another type of, of phrase you could say is what is my purpose? What is my purpose? My wife's an elementary school teacher and from the time our kids are little, 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 we give them career readiness assessments. Even in the 90s, I remember as a middle school student, we had career fairs and assemblies all about kind of our next steps in, in our professional thought and aspirations, right? Whatever you do post high school, it's like the pressure is on. And, and when you enter college, it's like a clock is ticking and, and, and there's this pressure to pick your major. And that question, what is my purpose, sticks with us well into adulthood. You know, I have a friend who, who ended up Moving from a very satisfying career, uh, but once they had children, they decided to stay at home with with their kids, and and that transition has proved difficult because your sense of achievement shifts, right? Because raising children is not quite as quantifiable as meeting your professional goals or 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 your your performance evaluation every year, and and that's kind of been a struggle for them as 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 they transition into that. They feel like, well, maybe gosh, I don't feel the same sense of purpose purpose or, or accomplishment that I did before because, man, if we just make it to the grocery store, that's like a big success. <laughs> and some of us know that feeling. On the other hand, there's plenty of people who would love to have being a parent or a spouse be a part of their life's purpose, but that's not how it's turned out for them. It can be difficult to be a single person or someone without children in a church. It can also be difficult to be someone who doesn't desire to be married or have children because you got to deal with everybody's comments, right? Some people just can't imagine having a a purpose without having a family. And that's another thing that happens is sometimes we can get so wrapped up in in raising our children and in pouring into them that when they are grown and and leave the house, what do we got left? Well, my purpose was my kids and now I, I happens all the time. Answering the question, what's my purpose, can be very unclear. And sometimes I kind of I get jealous of, of certain people. You know, those people that seem to be just made to do what they're doing. You know, their purpose is just so clearly evident by how gifted they are. You know, for me, uh, Jamie Foxx is one of those people. I grew up watching him on In Living Color. He's an amazing singer, uh, record producer. He won Best Actor for his portrayal of Ray Charles, Look up some of his, any of his appearances on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon and, and, and just enjoy. I, I think he's amazing. He can do it all. Ray Charles is somebody who clearly has a purpose they're fulfilling. Another person that I think of that, that really has fulfilled their purpose was a psychology professor I had in college. His name was Dr. Quackenbush. Oh, yeah. This is a, a picture I, I creeped on from his uh, online profile. His demeanor... His name, I mean, Dr. Quackenbush, your psych professor, clearly a Hall of Fame professor name. Even his sweaters, right, as a college professor, let us know he was fulfilling his purpose for sure. Shout out to Dr. Quackenbush, Missed that guy. So, what about the rest of us that aren't like Jamie Foxx or Dr. Steve Quackenbush? What about us? How do we find our purpose? What if we haven't found that thing that we were created to do, and I think it's there we make a mistake or, or we have a misguided assumption that there's this one thing out there that eludes us. And if we could only find it, we could finally fulfill our purpose. We get so caught up in assuming that our purpose in life has to do with what we do, right? That it's, that it's very much tied up in, in, our, in our occupation or, or how we spend our time or, or what we produce, But what if our purpose first relates to someone, not something? There's a statement of faith in the Presbyterian tradition. It's called the Westminster Catechism. And catechism is simply a word that means teaching or instruction. And in a version of this catechism, it was written for children. And they kind of put it in a question and answer format. Now, savor the flavor because I don't quote Calvinists often. But this was too good. Here you go. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Friends, our purpose isn't primarily found in what we do. It's found in in who we worship and who we love. So could it be that God's purpose for our lives is wider than you think? In our scripture today, uh, it was written by a man named Paul, and Paul had an amazing encounter with Jesus, and he went from hunting down Christians in the early church to leading them. And he's writing to a group of Christians in Rome, and that's why it's called the Book of Romans. So one of the things we see is, is that even our specific gifts or our purposes are part of a much greater whole. This is what we read in Romans 12. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Mm. Be earnest, excuse me, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. I love straight talk from Paul. Don't think you are better than you really are. Like some of us are kind of like Cousin Eddie, holding out for a management position. You know what I mean? Like stuff comes along, but, but ah, that's not for us. I'm going to hold out for something better. So it's going to be hard to find your purpose if you're prideful and think lots of things, including giving your life to God, are below you. It's going to be pretty hard to fulfill a purpose if we're prideful. Paul says that we should be honest in our evaluation of ourselves, And and, and there's a tool out there that has helped me do just that. And and we're going to get into that a little bit later on. Paul continues, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. I love this language, right? The the, the concept that, that there's a wide variety of gifts God has given us but also each part has a special function. So we do have the opportunity to be specialists or or to have a specific purpose or, or part that we play, but we're only a small part of a larger whole. We are many parts of one body. This is the image that Paul uses throughout the New Testament several times to describe what the church is, the body of Christ, that Christ physically left the earth And then he left his work up to us. The church is a precious thing. Ephesians 5.25 says that Jesus gave up his life for the church. Now being part of the church is not the only way that we can glorify God. But it is one of the main ways that we glorify God. One of the, the, the things about the church is it's within the body of Christ that we can find our specific purpose as a Christian in the midst of this much larger mission of the church. Paul says that we're many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Friends, we've been gifted uniquely but not completely. None of us have it all together. None of us possess all of the gifts. We need each other. That to me is good news, that our purposes are intertwined with the greater mission of the church and that's to represent the presence and work of God on earth to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. That's what the body of Christ is here for. That's what we're supposed to do. That's our mission. That's our purpose. Paul then describes a spectrum of some of those specific gifts that kind of lend themselves to the same purpose. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So I want to zoom in on this for a moment. The classic definition of grace is unmerited favor, meaning it's a gift you receive. It's an unconditional gift. So when Paul says that God has given us different gifts for doing different things, well, these gifts aren't anything we did to earn or or we didn't refrain from something in order to get them. We just have them. So our gifts come from God. God has provided these gifts to everyone in in this mysterious combination, uh, maybe from birth or through different circumstances or or through your choices or, or the choices of another person. Paul describes some of these gifts. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Man, the entire message here is hey, whatever you do well, do that lots. I mean, it is that simple. I love that there's a whole range given here with a variety of gifts, and, and this list is by no means exhaustive because we see other gifts listed in the New Testament as well. I, and, and I don't believe there's one specific gift that you have to possess in order to fulfill your purpose, as if there's only sort of one track. Your purpose is to glorify God, and friends, you glorify God when you use your gifts well. That could be in any industry, in any stage of life, in ways big and small, you glorify God when you use your gifts well. Our challenge then is discerning the place that we're gifted and called. So let's break that down. To discover our purpose, we need to explore the questions, where are you gifted and what are you called to? Now Paul encourages us to, to be honest in our evaluation Of ourselves. And there's a tool that's helped me do just that. It's called the Clifton Strengths Assessment. Now, I know you may be weary of different personality tests, and and I understand that, but this is a lot more than, like, what Disney princess quiz are you on Facebook or something, right? The Clifton Strengths Assessment has really helped me understand how I'm gifted. Now, right at the top here, let me tell you, it's not religiously affiliated at all, it's, it's not even Christian, like in any way. But neither is this iPad or my glasses or the camera that we're filming on. Those, those aren't Christian, but they help us do some ministry. This is the same thing. The Strengths Assessment is put together by the Gallup Company, and it's based on 40 years of research, millions of surveys. Over 20 million people have taken this assessment. Um, for a long time, it, it came in a book uh, that, that had all the definitions of these different strengths, and there was a code in the back that you would take. That book, StrengthsFinder 2.0, is the best-selling nonfiction book on Amazon ever. Right? So I'm, I'm just here to tell you that it's, it's more than just a fad or a trend. Uh, this, has led, this assessment has led to some significant transformation in my life. When you take the assessment, you get your top five out of a total of 34 strengths. And, and because of the gifts God has given you, it's very likely that there's a certain way that you see the world based on the gifts that you have. And there's certain assumptions that you have about, things should be, about the way things should be done. And a lot of times our strengths are the lens through which we view the world. And a lot of times those go unexamined because we assume everyone else views it that way too. And it's kinda like, if you ever ask a twin, what's it like being a twin? And they're like, well, I don't know what it's like not to be a twin, right? Similarly, our gifts have such an influence on the way we think, uh, our patterns of, of thought, feeling, and behavior. That's, that's really what strengths are, according to Gallup. And so, as we dive into these, we can begin to understand some of the gifts that we've been given by God. I took this assessment in 2009, and it had a huge impact on my life. Deeply transformative. That's why I'm so passionate about it. It was in my mid 20s, and I was just struggling with being a competent employee. And what strengths helped me do was not focus so much on all the things that I lacked, but I I began to to learn how, how to rely even heavier on the gifts I did have in order to do the things expected of me. My top five are strategic, positivity, activator, communication, and woo. Now, the gift of communication to me is is sort of made manifest when I sit down every week to plan out sermons or, or, or to write the weekly sermon. That's my favorite day of the week. Now, I'll let you tell me if you think I have the gift of communication, but that's a process that energizes me. You know, I feel like I'm using my gifts when I teach someone new, excuse me, when I teach someone something new, using something familiar. I'm so excited I couldn't even say the sentence right. Right? That's, that's, that's when I know I'm using my gifts, when I teach someone new using something familiar. It, it's a really big deal to me if, if, if I can help information survive, even, even a week. So if there's something from a sermon that sticks with you or that you create an association with, man, I love doing that. And, and playing a small part in the process of people discovering the truth of God, man, that, that's one of the highest honors and, and joys of my life. But communication doesn't just mean preaching. its not just what I do. Like for a living, I have the opportunity to communicate in ways that are life-giving to people every day. I have the chance to use my gift of communication to speak words to other people that build them up. And that has nothing to do with, with what, what is on my paycheck. So our gifts are so much more than, than what we do for a living. Right? So, so I'd love for you to To take a step and discover your strengths. On January 31st and February 1st, we're going to have a Waypoint workshop here at our church. You can find out your strengths and take a deep dive into what they mean and how to use them for God's glory. And so the cost for this event is going to be $25. Now I want to be very clear, like zoom in. This 25 bucks doesn't go to me. Like I'm already working here. Uh, this, is, this is something I'm very passionate about. That $25 is gonna cover uh, the cost to take the assessment. It's gonna cover the materials for the event and, and some refreshments. So there's no kickback or anything for me, nothing like that. You're not gonna find a better deal anywhere, by the way. I've been a part of the strengths-based movement for 10 years. I've facilitated workshops all over the United States, including speaking at the Gallup Strength Summit. And now it is time to unleash strengths upon Carney. And so I hope you'll join me at the end of the month. We're gonna be talking through some of these things all month long, but then really on that January 31st and February 1st, we're gonna be giving you the opportunity to take a deep dive, discover your strengths, and begin to find your waypoint. So I hope you'll consider that, and you can sign up for that on our website. Now, I believe our potential to fulfill God's purpose for our lives is found at the intersection of where we're gifted and called so what are your gifts? What are your gifts? Now, when you're gifted at something, it's, it's more than just what you happen to be good at or what you can do successfully. Like I can successfully sort and load laundry, but I can't stand doing it. So that's not a gift. No, 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 a, a, you know it's a gift when not only can you complete this thing or do this thing successfully, but it's energizing to you. It's something you look forward to. It's, it's something that you feel better at the end than, than, than when you started. This is how you can begin to identify giftings in your life. It's when you're good at something and are also energized by it that you can recognize it as a gift. And when we use those gifts for the sake of others, that's when God is glorified. And that really leads to the second concept, is not only where are you gifted, but where do you feel called? Where can you use these gifts to impact the lives of other people, to build up the kingdom of God? How can you use your gifts for the sake of others? What is it you feel drawn to? The answer to these two questions is a big indicator of where you may be called to. You know it's a calling when injustice motivates you to do something about it. Or when your heart breaks to the point that you can't stand it any longer and you've got to get involved. We'll spend the month of January exploring these concepts of gifting and calling. You know, as a pastor, people generally associate having a calling with with being in ministry. And that's not, not true, but I'm here to tell you, I know tons of pastors that are second career. They did something else for a long time and they bring those skills to ministry. So even pastors have had their understanding of calling evolve. You know, I also remember sitting in seminary, and this was a real fun talk. The teacher was like, it wasn't Dr. Quackenbush. The teacher was like, look to your left and to your right. Only one out of three of you will be in ministry in five years. Awesome, glad I'm paying for this. Right, so there's even lots of folks that enter into ministry that don't do that for the rest of their life. So calling goes beyond just being in ministry. I know tons of people, Tons that do way more ministry than me, and they are not pastors. So friends, please, let's not limit our concept of calling to just a handful of occupations. But let's think about our calling as as using our strengths for the sake of others and glorifying God as, as we do that. This is a conversation we're going to continually have all month long. So welcome to the introductory session of Finding Your Waypoint. I hope that when you think about your purpose in life, you find comfort in the, in, the, in the fact that there's a lot of different ways to find it and fulfill it. I hope that you can, you can remember that our primary calling is first to someone, not to something. Our purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And we glorify God when we use our gifts well. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the chance to be together in worship. Thank you for the second service at Westside and the folks who have put in a lot of work and passion uh, to, to help new people discover a relationship with you, to help people grow deeper in their understanding of who you are and whose we are. God, thank you for the gifts you've given us. And I hope that we can walk out of this place with our heads held high knowing that each of us has been gifted uniquely by you and that we can find our purpose not just in the things we do, but in being your children. And that just like a child could be very much obeying the will of their parent uh, by doing lots of different things, uh, that we would find our fulfillment and our purpose in first belonging to you and then using the gifts you gave us for your glory. So help us to do whatever it is you've gifted us in. Help us to do those things well because we know this pleases you and it's for your glory. It's in your son's precious name that we pray. Amen.